0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Common Sense Show. My name is Dave Hodges. I'm the host, and we're the show that's freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. We have a terrific guest for you today. Unfortunately, the topic topics are going to be a little on the disturbing side, but should that be surprising, given the times that we're in? I don't think that should surprise anybody, but uh, we're going to be talking to Jeff Nyquist, and we're going to be talking about all things Ukraine, China, uh, the economy. Uh, It's all coming together, of course, uh, if you said it's orchestrated, you'd be considered to be a conspiracy theorist, but it's orchestrated, and we're going to let Jeff unfold this for us. But before we join him, we need to let you know that uh, we're still up and running with My Patriot Supply. We're one of the few... uh, storable food companies it's still operating at full capacity some have sold out to the government some have buckled because of the strain in the food supply so we're just saying right now the the time to get what you need to get is now um the poll i took on truckers eight dollars a gallon for diesel we'll shut them down and we're we're going to be approaching that here we're getting a, a brief uh, respite from biden But that's not going to go on much longer, folks. Uh, Get your food and get it now. They still have the same price. They haven't raised prices, and they're still special. Go to preparewithdave.com. That's preparewithdave.com. Additionally, if you have a nest egg to protect, let Noble Gold take care of it for you. I went from advertiser to client three years ago, and we make adjustments. But essentially, when the hard times come... I'm going to have a softer landing than most, although we're all going to take our hits. But I'm going to have a softer landing than most because we're prepared, we're diversified, and to a large extent we're outside the coming digital system. Although you'll never totally escape what's happening out there, you can certainly minimize the damage. Give them a call, 877-646-5347. And one final thing. If you have food, you better have water. And with the grid in danger, and I do believe the grid's in danger. I mean, the the government's already talked about rolling blackouts, but I think it's going to be a lot worse than that, potentially. You need water filtration because when the grid goes, getting water could be problematic. You'll be able to scavenge it, but will you have the device necessary to do it safely? The Alexa Pro water filter is really good. Unfortunately, they're on their last legs. I'm the lone remaining vendor outside the company in the United States because the supply chain is not producing the product like it once was and they are running out. So go to waterwithdave.com, read up about how good they are. They have all the research there and realize too they have a special and they have not raised prices. That's waterwithdave.com. Those are the sponsors for the program today with our interview with Jeff Nyquist Jeff thank you so much for joining us I couldn't think of a more timely guest to have on given what is happening in the world and and people are asking me all the time what's the most pressing problem and I don't think there's one problem I think there's multiple things that are being thrown at us at the same time
1: well the most pressing problem is the war in Ukraine because it can widen and it's a very when I when the world's largest nuclear power is in a knockdown out war, which is and is also been threatening other countries in Europe. And when that country now, according to Monkey Works, has put all seventy of its submarines at sea, and this is not only where uh, Russia's uh, ballistic missile submarines loaded with uh, nuclear weapons, but you know, as many of us have known since the sinking of the Kursk, uh, they're. Uh, attack submarines also carry uh, nuclear weapons as well so Russia is put to sea with a with you know I, I think only one other time in my life I could be wrong there might might have been uh, they might have put all their submarines to sea during the Kosovo crisis but I think 1983 is the last time I can remember they put all their Their submarines to sea, and this is this is very dangerous. Uh, We almost had a nuclear war in 1983. If you read Peter Pry's book War Scare, and you read about the Able Archer exercises, and you talk to former KGB or Soviet military people, there was a we almost had a nuclear war back then. So this is uh, 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 look. Russia is losing the war in Ukraine. And uh, their only way out is to go nuclear. If they use tactical nukes in against the Ukrainian army, that has implications for strategic nuclear intervention by NATO or the U.S. So obviously, you would, if you're if you're looking at nuclear escalation, one of the things you do is you put your all your subs to sea
0: yeah its a, you know it's interesting you'd say that I have a friend who used to be a high ranking general we've been friends for two decades and he told me three days ago that submarine uh, uh, Russian submarines are in war like position they have been deployed for action
1: yeah, the Monkey Works article also mentioned the fact that uh, the U.S. is mobilizing its anti-submarine warfare assets and really looking off the East Coast, looking for these submarines. So they are, um, you know, I'm sure there's submarines off the West Coast, but the East Coast is... Uh, where a lot of them are going to be deployed. And if you're going to launch, if you end up in a nuclear war, you want those subs close to the U.S. because many of the tactical subs have short-range missiles with nuclear warheads like the Kurs-Cad. Not, uh, They're not intermediate-range missiles, but much uh, closer. So they have to get in pretty close. And then, of course, your boomers uh, could be further out. But y- you you get an advantage. I mean, look at Washington, D.C., if a if a Russian submarine gets into Chesapeake Bay, it can uh, hit Washington D.C. In, in in under four minutes. There's no warning as far as a decapitation strike. Of course, I know many Americans right now would kind of think we're already decapitated with Mr. Biden in the White House.
0: Well, there's nothing quite like a nuke. I wanted to get your opinion on this, since you brought up the potential for nuclear strikes. Uh, A lot of things I read tell me that the real danger in nuclear strikes, if there were, say, one or two nuclear strikes, is not so much in the nuclear strikes. What will kill more people is the famine that comes afterwards.
1: Yeah, well, the economic disruption uh, from a, a war, you see what's happening with just a conventional war in Ukraine and 40 million People threatened with starvation in Africa, right? Uh, You get a a nuclear war where you disrupt an economy. Like one of the things they target in a nuclear war is oil refineries, a country's uh, energy capacity. Uh, If you uh, stop trucks and cars and uh, stuff, everything, we're so mechanized, everything depends on that. So then you have a breakdown of food distribution. You have a breakdown of things getting to people. And we're all highly urbanized. I mean, we've never been more highly urbanized. Well, you don't grow food in urban areas. It has to be brought to the people there. And you're talking about megacities with millions and millions of people. And their food needs are tremendous. And all of a sudden, you don't have fuel for the trucks. Now you have shortages people have to ration and hold out until the trucks can get going. So that's just an example of the kind of problems you're going to see if there's a full-on nuclear war.
0: What would you... Um, how serious is this right now Is to go nuclear? Is it the same, greater, or lesser than 1983? I think it's very similar to
1: 1983 in that... Um. In 1983, and I've talked to both CIA people involved, that were involved in following that event. And I've talked to former KGB people who were on the other side of that event. And uh, what happened then was the Russian generals wanted to go to war. They wanted to push the Kremlin To saying, look, we have our window of opportunity. We should just attack the West. Reagan's building Star Wars. Uh, we're gonna fall behind. This is our chance. We've got the advantage. And, uh, uh, so what they did is they tried to, to make the case that the, that Reagan was gonna launch a preemptive strike. So, they sent the KGB on a wild goose chase looking for evidence that America was about to attack the Soviet Union and a lot of the KGB guys and one KGB guy told me this he said we knew this was nonsense we knew the West we didn't see we knew the West wasn't going to you know Reagan wasn't plotting a nuclear war and of course um, uh, Yuri Andropov the former KGB guy was the head um uh, of the Soviet Union then, and he got suspicious because, you know, why do the generals want a nuclear war? Are they plotting to throw overthrow the Communist Party, the, you know, and take control? You know, like a military coup, use the war to take control. And he developed a kind of paranoia over it. What had happened in, in the Soviet Union? The the rule is it's it's ruled by the Iron Triangle, the party, the KGB, and the army. And it's like a bunch of guys with guns pointed at each other's heads. Since the Army has the most guns, they blind it. The, um, the Army has no domestic counterintelligence apparatus. It's disallowed. They're not allowed to spy within the country. Because then they could spy on the party and the Army. So the, the Army is blind. So the KGB infiltrates uh, the Army. And the party infiltrates the Army to you know through administrative organs and whatnot to... Make sure that the army is not turning against the government. Well, Andropov called off the nuclear strike. I, uh, one, um, CIA guy that worked in the office of Soviet analysis said we were following all this, and the head of the office of Soviet analysis at the time was asked by the generals what was going on, and he, he said, "Oh, don't worry. He made a mistake. You know, don't worry. Um, uh, he was lucky." Um, uh, (laughs) there was reason to worry but Andropov's their own suspicion within their own system their own paranoia stopped the attack and uh, now the situation is different uh, but not totally different I think that the Russian and Chinese governments are aligned together And according to the GRU defector, Colonel Stanislav Lunev, at the end of the Cold War, Russia formed a kind of alliance, a secret alliance with China, both intelligence and military. And the objective of that alliance was to destroy the United States at some future date and to divide up North America between Russia and China. Uh, Russia was going to get Alaska and they were going to split Canada and the Allure 48 would go to China. And of course Russia would then dominate Europe. China would dominate the Pacific and East Asia. And I'm not sure how the Middle East was going to be divided up. But they uh they had a, a plan for splitting the world between them. Um, so that all their intelligence operations for example in the US, they're they're jointly consulted, you know. They keep each other informed of everything they're doing, all the information they're getting. That was an national agreement made it in late '91, early '92. Um, the the um, the danger now is that that we see this agreement is clearly still in force because uh, Putin went to Beijing on February 4th. They made a joint announcement saying that they are the basically the most powerful combination, you know, of countries since World War II. Um, there was uh, Mr. Wang of Luna Media, a, a Chinese uh, defector, expatriate uh, who hates the CCP, uh, claims to have information that they signed a secret military agreement then in February before the Russians invaded. Part of that agreement was that China was going to support Russia hmm. uh, economically as Russia was going into this difficult move against Ukraine. And so what you see is is both players, Russia and China. Are moving the ball forward, you know, to trust each other. Russia invades Ukraine to show that it's committed. Now it's China's turn, and then there's 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 these mobilizations in China. We got the um, the uh, fifty seven minute fifty six minute recording of a, a meeting in China on May the fourteenth, a joint military civil meeting. The governor of Guangdong. Province, the head of the military district of Guangdong Province were there on, and their staffs. And it was a meeting to coordinate the transition from Guangdong Province from normal to war. And they were mobilizing for what they called the Taiwan direction and beyond. And they were talking about securing the province against counter-strikes from the Americans as if they were going to launch nuclear strikes on the U.S. Um, they talked about protecting the four nuclear power plants in the Pearl River Delta they talked about a possible revolt of the civilian population in the megacities there it was a very interesting it was a wild you know 56 seven minute meeting um, you know and I and of course the information from that is that China is going to blockade Taiwan supposedly on the 1st of August We'll see if Mr. Wang's information is accurate. We know that the Chinese intelligence services, since the recording was released, have have arrested like 40 people. So I don't know if Mr. Wang's sources have been compromised or arrested. Some have been executed. I mean, I think they executed two generals. So, but there's, you know, this regime is hated.
0: com. that's waterwithdave.com save $80 for a short time the
1: communist regime in China there's a lot of communists who hate it I mean there's a lot of Chinese who hate the regime and you see in Russia you wonder about the stability of Mr. Putin Um, you know right now it looks pretty stable but um, some military experts think that Um, and I'm talking to them and consulting with them all the time that the Russians could their position in Ukraine could start to fall apart at the end of August because the Russian tanks failed their officer corps failed their tactics uh, failed their missiles are 60% off target when they strike targets Um, they have a morale problem they've even had troops Refused to follow orders. They have, they've been losing. Now it's calmed down on the front in the last 10 days or so, but they were losing 700 men a day to the Ukrainians, 200 men a day in um, May and um, June when the fighting was heavy and it was artillery based. I mean, they went to World War One. They couldn't win with World War II weapons. So they you know, Russia's sitting on, you know, a billion rounds of howitzer ammunition. And so they just started bombarding with howitzers. And the Ukrainians don't have as many howitzers. They don't have as many uh, rounds to spend. So the Ukrainians would use typically 5,000 rounds a day. The Russians could use fifteen, twenty thousand 20,000 a day. I heard one day they used 50,000 rounds. Um... The Ukrainians were getting battered a bit, but you know, you do with howitzers as we learned in World War One. All you have to do is dig a trench, and your casualties are minimized. Um, the attacker still has to get out of his trenches and advance across open ground. And the and the Ukrainians <coughs> have gotten some advanced artillery units from I think Norway, Britain, the U.S. has sent some. I don't know if the German promised German artillery reached that's highly accurate and can counter-strike and do devastating damage because it's so precision. So the Russians don't have the precision weapons that some people thought they had. A lot of their technology doesn't work. Uh, There's been corruption, we can see clearly, in their contracting. Like the S-400 was supposed to be able to stop these these advanced uh, rocket artillery systems uh, of the West. It's supposed to be able to intercept the rounds, and it can't. And here they spent billions and it doesn't work. Um I I've interviewed I interviewed a, a Russian who was pretty high up in their economic system uh privately uh about several weeks ago, and you know, he animated, you know, the rumors that the defense minister and one of his deputies had embezzled over thirty billion in defense appropriation monies. So the the corruption in Russia is sinking them. It's just sinking them.
0: My goodness, that's uh, I, 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 and some some part of me is not surprised, but I'm wondering too. You brought up something interesting about the uh, stability of Putin. Uh, the resources they seem to be almost squandering here, and the return on investment is not very good. At what point do the oligarchs that control so much of that uh, that type of the economy? When do they rebel against Putin? You know, people talk like the
1: oligarchs can rebel. Oligarchs are frontmen who are given privilege. Either they made their own money when the economy was opening up years ago in that little window, or they were recruited by the KGB and the party apparatus. I have been told by former KGB officials and others that they know for a fact, and that they were even told by some of the oligarchs, that they knew personally that the oligarchs signed contracts with the Communist Party and the KGB, that they were billionaires. They were given that money. They were given that position as long as they remained obedient to the structures, to the the former Soviet structures that went underground and were still controlling the country. So there's not going to be any oligarch rebellion. That's just nonsense. You know, by the way, since this war started, I think three or four oligarchs and their families have been murdered. Oligarchs, you know, it's like um, Miles Guo said about Chinese billionaires. Chinese billionaire ends up in one of two ways: dead or in jail. I think that applies to the Russian oligarchs. They, the only way they stay out of being dead or in jail is they remain loyal and obedient to the state. And a lot of these, um, one of the tricks that Obama played, he got a, rid of. I think it, now my memory could be bad. In, uh, in December of. 2016, after the election, they got rid of Jackson Fanek, which was restricting some of the things we could do, uh, the Russian economy could do with us. Um, and they replaced them with these uh, focus sanctions where we were sanctioning oligarchs. And one of the things this Russian fellow was telling me is that it's totally unfair. They're sanctioning Russian people who are just businessmen. ...who have nothing to do with the government, who are just, they're, they're destroying them. But you see, that is what Putin wants. Uh, our own legislation to suppose that our sanctions on Russia are hurting anyone that's independent, any Russian businessman who's independent of, of Putin. In fact, it prevents capital flight from Russia at a time like now. So basically Obama, by passing these laws, and Bill Browder, who pushed it, are really, they were really stupidly helping Maybe on purpose, helping uh, Putin contain the, ca- the uh, semi-capitalist system they have, the controlled capitalism they have in Russia. Because the big fear in Russia is those billionaires are going to take their money and they're going to flee abroad, and there's going to be capital flight attending it. And that's impossible now with the with the sanctions regime we have. It's basically helping Putin control his own economy, keep his own economy from, from ha- suffering from capital flight.
0: Um who does Putin answer to ultimately then?
1: Well that's a good question. The regime is opaque. Like all communist regimes. Um Sergei Lavrov some weeks ago was in an interview with a British journalist. Sir Sergei Lavrov is the Russian Foreign Minister, for those who don't know. I'm a I'm a Sergei Lavrov watcher. He's fascinating to me. And, um He asked him, like, what was your input? What advice did you give Putin before the invasion of Ukraine? And Lavrov wouldn't answer the question. He said, we never discuss the decision-making process. In other words, it's, it's not only untransparent, it's top secret. Who is deciding or how? Now, there was... Before Putin came back from, you know, Putin was had two terms as president. Then he was prime minister, and he switched places with his buddy um, uh, Dmitry Medvedev. And he came back to power. He ran. uh, He came back to power in 2012. And in December 2011, former president of Ukraine, who had been the last president of Soviet uh, Republic of Ukraine. Uh, Leonid Kravchuk, was on Schuster Live. It's a talking head show in Kiev. And they they asked him what he thought of Putin getting going in for a third term. And Kravchuk made an incredible statement. He said, um, well, Putin and Medvedev don't matter. They're just front men. Uh, there are um, other figures, names who most people don't know, who are behind them making the decisions. And Amazingly, the foreign minister of Ukraine was on the show, and uh, when he turned and asked the foreign minister, the foreign minister didn't contradict him. The foreign oh, minister, of Ukraine. The foreign minister said, "Well, you know, you know, Medvedev's the president and Putin's the prime minister, and we deal with who's in those offices. That's you know." Um, but you see, the reason why is when the Communist Party Soviet Union look, does anybody really, let's be serious, you mean Gorbachev the head of the Communist Party Soviet Union pulled down the hammer and sickle flag from the Kremlin himself do you think the Communist Party that would fight and murder and kill and commit any crime in the world to get control of countries in Africa and South America commit any deception, any scheme honestly pulled down their flag and gave up power in, in Russia no, they put on their little capitalist beanies and they said, "Oh, look, we're Democrats," because why? Because they would get. I mean, what did the Germans give, give the Soviet Union? 80 billion Deutschmarks? marks. You know, they were getting, they were raking in the money and the loans and the investments. We had British Petroleum make a tremendous investment in renewing the Russian oil industry, which then British Petroleum was kind of effectively kicked out. You know, it's just like what the Chinese did with. Uh, with Audi, the German car company. Oh yeah, build a factory here. Oh yeah, your factory's here? You violated our laws. You owe us a billion dollars or whatever it was they charged them. They get them on the hook. They get them in there. They get them, their eyes big and greedy about making money off their cheap labor or off their resources in the case of Russia. And then they just, they just cheat them and gouge them. And this is what the Russians do and the Chinese do it. Anybody who goes into business with gangsters gets what they deserve and our capitalists have had a hook in their mouth since 1991 and in China maybe before that and it's you know I was at a uh, uh, when I first met Colonel Stanislav Lunov the GRU defector there was a reporter there who asked him Colonel Lunov what do you recommend in terms of investing in Russia and he says don't they're going to cheat you and he said that was uh, August 1998, before the, just before the ruble collapsed, just a few days, August of '98. And I'll never forget that. It was, it was to me that's common sense. And the, I've interviewed businessmen who've done business in Russia. Different kind. And there's a, there's only a narrow range of businessmen who will make money and won't be ripped off. It's like people with technical skills. Who they need to, uh, you know, they need repeat visits again and again from them, and so they won't cheat them because they'll be cutting their own throat. But with these big investments and stuff, it's going to be a scam either long term or short term.
0: Hmm. Okay, well, that's kind of par for the course and what I would expect. But some of this other stuff is um, is upsetting. Who's more determined to go to war? Is it the West? Uh, led by Biden, or is it uh, the Russians?
1: Well, that question's easy to answer. Who's ready? Who's more ready for war? Who's already going to war? Who started the war? Russia started it. Who's mobilizing? China's mobilizing. The West isn't mobilizing. Look, we haven't built a nuclear weapon since, like, 91 or 92. We haven't deployed in a nuclear weapon. We haven't even conducted a nuclear test since. we got rid of our, our um, MX... ICBMs, we, we've got these old, you know, ancient Minuteman threes. Do you think you, you, can, you think the West that is totally unprepared is planning a war? The French army is scrambling and it's going to take them two, three, four years to be ready for a peer-to-peer conventional war. They're not ready. Canadian Army is not ready. Australian Army is not ready. None of the, look, like the German, when van der Leyen was defense minister in Germany, she basically logistically crippled the German military. Their U-boats don't work, their tank battalions have such problems, they're not deployable. I mean, the, the idea that the West is going to go to war with Russia? I mean, Russia threw 200,000 men into Ukraine in a supercharged attack. It was a miscalculation. They thought they had Ukraine so infiltrated, and they they thought they had enough uh, exploitation because they, you know, they like to keep Ukraine corrupt. The old Soviet structures are still inside Ukraine, and they thought, oh, those will give us a victory. No, they fooled them. Ukrainians don't want to be under Moscow. You know, like the Americans in the War of Independence, they didn't want to be under Britain anymore. They got too much ab- they got too much abuse and the Ukrainian people one Ukrainian official told me you know we had a choice we could go with Moscow who we'd been with before years ago or we could go with the Ukrainian people the heart of the Ukrainian people did not want to go there we decided to go with the Ukrainian people hmm. and that's essentially what happened in that country the Ukrainian people stood up in 2004 in the Orange Revolution in 2014 it was the Ukrainian people when that government which was a puppet government of, of Moscow Started beating up and murdering journalists, intimidating the people, beating up kids who were protesting that wanted to be have you know be more Western. Um, they brought out the riot police and they started you know there were snipers shooting people down in Maidan Square, and the whole country got up and they went to the homes of the leaders and they said, "We want justice. We don't want we don't want this. We we're telling you what we want." And, and by the way, you hear all these people say that um, President Yanukovych was deposed. He wasn't deposed. He abdicated. With all the blood on his hands of the kids and the people that he killed, he felt unsafe in his own country. He knew the whole country. And this is Russian-speaking. Look, the country was divided politically between Russian-speaking and Ukrainian-speaking. And every. Political revolution. One, I mean, in, in every election, one of the candidates would be, you know, a Russian speaker. The other one would be a Ukrainian-speaking Ukrainian. At that moment, the Ukrainian-speaking and the Russian-speaking Ukrainians they all united and they said, "This is this stinks. We don't want to be treated like this." And that's that's the myth. The Russians have told this story, this fake story. Oh, we're protecting the rights of the Russian-speaking Ukrainians. It's nonsense. Mariupol was a Russian-speaking
0: Ukrainian. Ladies and gentlemen, right now, go to MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Coupon code Hodges.
1: Ukrainian city. The famous Azov Battalion. Hello. Is Russian-speaking Ukrainians. By the way, that whole thing, They, I think mostly they came from Kharkov. The Ukrainians called Kharkiv. And some of them ultimately from Moscow. Look, it's it's a complicated history. And people listen to these, this Russian propaganda, which has been very successful among Americans on the right. And it's just all lies. And you, know, you, you have to really know Ukrainians. You have to know the history of what's happened over the last eight years there and what the Russians are doing. Putin, the Communist Party, wants to get control communist party underground wants to get control of ukraine smash the independent thinking they want to rebrainwash the ukrainian kids and they want to put the soviet empire back together again that's what they want to do
0: well i think that's really clear that's uh putin's uh, obvious goal but to kind of just uh encapsulate everything you've said uh, the war could expand um with ukraine but it's likely to expand using nuclear weapons. Is, is that a good assumption? Yeah, because
1: the Russian conventional... It goes back to Russian military theory. Uh, a, a very famous Russian uh, field marshal, um, Marshal Vasily uh, Sokolovsky, he was their greatest strategist during World War II he created the the plan that destroyed the German Army Group Center in the summer of '44. while we were invading at Normandy the Russians had this double envelopment attack on uh, the German Army Group Center and they had deceived Hitler into moving his armored reserve on the eastern front closer to Romania so it couldn't respond and they successfully because the Germans didn't have enough mobile troops they enveloped and destroyed that army group and uh, uh, Sokolovsky was the brain behind that. It was the best military operations the Soviets operations the Soviets conducted during the war. It was really the mo- the, the, it was a much greater victory than Stalingrad or any other battle they fought, which many of the other battles they suffered very ha- heavier casualties and did not achieve as much.. Um, so Sokolovsky went on to being their top strategy strategist in the 50s. And he put together teams that worked on nuclear war strategy. The book they produced was called Soviet Military Strategy. And in that book, the decisive weapon of the next world war is the nuclear missile weapon. Because of its speed, because of its striking power. So the Russians over the years, they did not... Go through the they they had a firepower revolution in the fifties like we did, and they they got a lot of the weapons and the the kind of weapons we got but they didn't they didn't put into it as much as we did, so that our our conventional forces became increasingly superior and in the and the precision weapons and we had the money to do that they didn't their thing was precision nuclear weapons and and uh You know, strategic weapons, uh, nuclear strategic weapons. And that is what they have concentrated on. Our we don't believe in nuclear weapons. We don't believe nuclear war is realistic, so we have neglected our nuclear forces and they have neglected their conventional forces. Because their idea of if there's going to be a world war, it's going to be nuclear we're just going to blow all those fancy toys the Americans have up with nuclear weapons and our older obsolete stuff or stuff that doesn't work quite as good is going to march over them after they've been nuked. That is basically their, their war theory. And so they couldn't, for domestic political reasons, they could not use nukes in Ukraine because they're their brother Slavs, and their their initial propaganda is we're we're rescuing our the Russian-speaking Ukrainians from the terror of the Ukrainian, the Western yep. Ukrainians. yeah, right. And and the thing is, is so they couldn't. Now they. The city of Mariupol's versus the speaking. They knocked down that city. I'm told between 50 and 100,000 civilians died there. Oh, that's wonderful. You just killed your own people, you mean? You know, and then they make up this lie that it was the Ukrainians that bombed the city. Well, we know the Ukrainians don't have the artillery to do that. The city was under siege by the Russians, not the Ukrainians. The Ukrainians were holding out in the city for months before it fell. And we know what they've done to Kiev. We know that they've blasted half the city of, you know, Kharkov is God. A large portion of the city of of Kharkiv, I should say, rather, is rubble. So, um, you know, it's if you think about it, um, the nuclear way out is now, if they are going to suffer a conventional defeat, it's their only way out. They've got to use the nuclear weapons. One Russian general made the comment, and this was publicized um, in Russia. He said, "What, what, what does anybody need the city of Kiev for? We should just eradicate it. See, as they realized they were losing, the Russians last week admitted that they have 38,000 dead and lost over 1,600 tanks and over between two and 300 fixed-wind aircraft. I think the aircraft losses are higher than they're stating. I think that these casualties are understated. You know, people have been denying the the heavy level of the Russian casualties for months, you know, the pro-Russian camp. No, they're... Both sides have suffered heavy casualties, but I understand the casualty rate is three and a half to one against the Russians. Because the attacker in modern war is advancing into this modern, the modern firepower is just devastating. And the Russians made mistakes. They dropped paratroopers. This is an example of one mistake. When they tried to surround Kiev and destroy their, their idea was they were going <coughs> to blitz Kiev. And take the city of Kiev and kill the government, or take them prisoner, or whatever, and collapse the government in Kiev, you know, cut the head off, and, you know, with the decapitation attack, and the whole country would surrender. That was their theory. And they, the paratroop, the guards' paratroops, they dropped behind Kiev to make the surprise attack. The They didn't check maps on the internet. They used old maps that showed there was a forest there that their paratroopers could take cover in. That forest had been chopped down. They ended up dropping them in the open so the Ukrainian National Guard units with heavy web you know paratroops are light troops. Without cover they were just wiped out. So you see they, they, they made tremendous mistakes in their invasion. And then they lost the flagship of the Black Sea Fleet. They tried to use Snake Island to replace the anti-air function, and it didn't work. The Ukrainians stopped them. They had to abandon Snake Island. So, then again, the, 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 the Russian fleet, Black Sea Fleet, was defeated. Their flagships sunk, and other ships sunk. They had to Now they've had to retreat the Black Sea Fleet out of its ports in, in uh, like Sevastopol, out of their ports in Crimea, um, and, and to redeploy part of the fleet to Nova Assist and you know east of Kerr Car- the Kerr Straits so it's like this is a major defeat so right up until and this was just within the last 10 days you know so so they're this is what's really dangerous when they put their submarine fleet to sea they're signaling the world that we're not going to allow ourselves to lose we're not going to allow ourselves to lose and that's Really scary, and you see a lot of countries. Look, Finland is joining NATO. Sweden is joining NATO. Um, and I saw an interview a couple of months ago with the Finnish president, and they asked, "Well, why are you doing this?" And he said, "Well, everybody's got to choose a side now, you know." And the the real reason is that Russia was basically threatening uh, all the neutral countries in Europe. That if you join NATO, you know you're going to we're going to really come after you, you know, do cyber attacks on you or maybe even invade you, whatever. And both Sweden and Finland were outraged. They were neutral countries, had never applied for NATO before, and they were immediately threatened. And here the Russians were violating Swedish airspace and Swedish territorial waters with submarines all the time. And the Swedish the Swedish uh, defense minister after Sweden was threatened about joining NATO, he said, oh, uh, Mr. Putin, Sweden's a sovereign country and we can make allies with whoever we want. This is where the Russian statesmanship, and I think Sergei Lavrov obviously is very uncomfortable because I think he's a smart diplomat, is that they have taken to, because they have such a big nuclear stick, they have taken to threatening countries. you've, You've heard the threats on Russian TV. Right to destroy Britain they've made two different <laughs> threats one to use a tsunami bomb to, to, to flood uh, Britain with radioactive salt water and to kill everybody and to use missiles on it and exterminate it you know I mean you're going to exterminate Britain you know, you're making a threat like that through your, you know, it's state-controlled television. They don't have permission to make those threats unless the Kremlin says, oh, yeah, we want you to make this threat. You know, it isn't like America where the press, you know, if the, there's, a, there's a conservative president, they attack him, you know, and make fun of him. It's, it's, it's Russia. The press is controlled by the government. So, so they are threatening, and they've threatened the U.S., and they've threatened NATO. And and it's really stupid. I'm, I'm sure if, if I could channel Sergei Lavrov, he'd be saying to Putin and the others, he goes, You don't, this is not the way diplomacy works. Stalin never threatened anybody, he just attacked them.
0: <laughs> you know, yeah, he exactly.
1: Invaded Finland yeah. In the Baltic states, they just attacked them. They said, Well, you you need to be with us. You know, they would try to charm them. But they would just out and out attack him. They didn't warn Romania when they entered Bukovina and Bessarabia and invaded it in 1940. They didn't, you know, they didn't threaten anybody. If you're, you see, the the rule in politics and in, in war and statecraft is you don't threaten; you just do, and then people get the idea.
0: Yeah, but but Jeff, the Russians have been threatening, and that's kind of the departure.
1: Uh, that's that's backfiring on them. Um, it's diplomatically backfiring because instead of a cowering Europe, it's amazing. You know, everybody, we, we've we joked about France, and we've joked about these European countries that have no will. Well, it's amazing. Even Germany, you know, here you have a pro, really, Scholz. You know, the the, the Chancellor of Germany, the new Chancellor of Germany. He's got a background of being pro-Kremlin. He was a You know, many people think he was a well. He was a Marxist in the old days. That he still is connected to that apparatus. He's a social democrat. the The uh, uh, German Social Democratic Party has been infamous for its pro-Russian. I mean, the previous uh, uh, chancellor, Social Democratic Chancellor before Angela Merkel, uh, went to work for, you know, uh, Russia's uh, uh, gas sector. You know, he's a Russian employee. This is his retirement payoff, you know. so But Scholz, who initially was tilting towards Russia, his, his, in his coalition, the Green Party, is, said, we're not for Russia. What are you siding with Russia for? Because a lot of people on the left, they've got a humanitarian streak in them. And they're saying, no. We don't want Russia to overrun these countries. So suddenly you see Europe... Uh, rallying to Ukraine and the Germans actually suffering, Germany is suffering terribly and is going to suffer in the winter terribly but they're willing to do it because they just don't want to give in to the Russian bullying, the Russians are going we're going to cut you off if you don't do what we say, imagine that, everybody was warning for years, don't get your gas from Russia, make another arrangement for your energy they did it anyway and now look at the pot they're stewing in now
0: but you know, a of lot of this a lot of this could have been avoided with the teamwork from Biden by not cutting off our domestic production of oil. We we could have really helped Germany and the rest of Europe.
1: Well in the natural gas department, and I know something about this because I know some people that have studied this and were working towards this, you know, they we have a means now, a technology to move natural gas across the ocean to Germany. And you know, this would have happened if Trump was president. We could have supplied them the natural gas because we've got the biggest natural gas. we got so much natural gas, we can supply the whole world for the next 200 years plus with natural gas. And guess what? The Biden administration comes in, cuts this, cuts that, prevents this, prevents that. and And we can't hardly but send a trickle to the Germans now in natural gas. And this is the strategy. Look. You know, people talk about the New World Order and the WF. What do you think a communist front is? What do you think an, a person who's a communist here in the West does? He, he, you know, the Democratic Party, there's only 8,000 people, you know, officially members of the Communist Party USA. They all went into the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party is their tool and instrument. Communists told me 40 years ago, the communists I met and I was invited to meetings, I didn't know they were. Co- it was a communist meeting. I heard a communist say, We're taking over the Democratic Party through its left wing, and we're going to elect a stealth communist president. It's going to transform this country into a Soviet country. That was in 1983. <clears throat> That I heard that in a speech from a communist. And so, this is none of this is news to anybody who's followed what the communists have been doing in this country. And the communists are not just a movement in the U.S., it's a world global movement. And most people in the movement are not communists. They're fellow travelers, as people who've been sucked in because they're naive.
0: And would, so the, would that describe a lot of the American politicians that are embracing what's going on? Embracing which thing? Well, they're for. embracing um, anti Constitution, uh, dictatorial. Uh, I mean, just look at Merrick Garland and his two tiered system of justice. If you're for Biden, uh, well, you can get away with anything. If you're against Biden, we'll make up crimes for you.
1: Well, look, uh, you know, you go to Jay Adams's books. Uh, or his book on the Justice Department that came out more than a decade ago. Um, he was saying, look, they, they always had a few Marxists in the Justice Department. When Obama came in, he flooded the Justice Department with radical Marxists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the communists, the idea that, look, the management of the CIA and Homeland Security, you can't trust the management. You've got good people in the, and, and, and the same thing, the FBI. You've got good people in the FBI. You've got management that was taken over when... Uh, look, uh, I'm going to say this. Barack Obama is a communist, and I don't care what anybody says. Well, you watch his actions. He, is, yeah. he was mentored by Frank Marshall Davis. <clears throat> and um, when he says, I'm not a socialist, and you watch what he does... He was he was practically worshiping at Putin's feet when he met Putin in Moscow the first time in 2009. You know, and there's there's some very funny things in Obama's background, like there was in Bill and Hillary Clinton's background, communist connections. Same thing with Joe Biden. You know, um, look Trevor Loudon, who is sort of the mm-hmm. the ultimate expert on the communist movement in, in the United States and New Zealand. You know, basically has explained that Biden was put into the United States Senate by Armand Hammer. And if you read Edward J. Epstein's Hammer file, Edward J. Epstein proves that Armand Hammer was a KGB agent both when he set up companies in, in interwar Germany, France, and then when he came to the U.S. And, and, and became a businessman here. And it was Armand Hammer and the Council for a Livable World, which is a communist front. The the World Economic Forum is a communist front. Klaus Schwab has got a uh, doesn't have a bust of you know some billionaire uh, globalist in his library. He's got the bust of Lenin. In one of his recent interviews, you'll see behind him, there's a bust of Lenin on his library shelf. I got a bust of George Washington. What has he got a bust of Lenin for?
0: Yeah, I hear you, but you know, to me, it's baffling because th- that type of totalitarianism has never really worked in the long term, and I, that's why I'm surprised they what, get so what do you many mean followers. not Well, when, when you look at Russia, Russia has struggled mightily as a nation uh, through their history, and and they embraced Stalinism, and the masses really suffered. And i just I, I just wonder why it 's so appealing to people it 's not
1: appealing it's a look why do you think a communist state exists only with a massive secret police? Everybody's spying on it. They have camps they send the bad people to they they keep the pulse on everything they assassinate journalists, they kill dissidents abroad, even look at all the murders that putin has has ordered in Britain. You know that in, you know, Alexander Litvinenko famously poisoned by polonium. Right. The, uh, the the nuclear expert that testified that it had to be the Russians because no other country in the world has as much... You know, they, they make plutonium in labs in microscopic amounts for experimental study. Only Russia has enough plutonium to have been able to put that much into uh, 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 Mr. Litvinenko to kill him. That, by, by the way, that expert was assassinated after his testimony. They got revenge on him. And the judge in the case, the British judge, uh, a man with the exact name of the British judge in the, in, the shire, in the next village over was murdered. And they couldn't figure out why this guy was murdered. And they said, oh my God, he has the same name as the judge in this case. And the number of people murdered, I mean, Boris Berezovsky, supposedly hanged in his own bathroom. When they investigated it, a forensic expert said, this man was hang- was, was strangled and then hung up in his shower. He was, he did not hang himself. You know, there's a, there's a book on this, um, from Russia with blood uh excellent journalistic job uh, you can't believe the number of murders if you want to know you know the poisoning of the scripples with a with a nerve agent they caught those gru assassins on tape entering the country the people that killed and by the way i think 30 40 british citizens got exposed to that nerve agent and the scripples barely survived same nerve agent was used on um, alexei navalny uh, Putin's domestic critic, the politician who's now in a in prison, right? And you know, they they Anna Politkovskaya, the famous Russian journalist. What a brave woman she was! She stood up to Putin, and she was assassinated outside of her apartment. You know, um, you know the the number of of uh, politicians. Journalists, businessman, Paul Klemnikov, the American journalist of Russian extraction, gunned down on a street in Moscow when he started realizing that he had blamed the wrong person in his book on Boris Berzovsky. He had not understood how much the KGB was still the KGB and was still behind everything, and he was starting to go back over his previous work and realizing he had been taken in, and he was gunned down.
0: Interesting. That's Um, uh, very interesting. You know, I
1: I mean, look, this history, people don't pay attention. Putin is a murderer. The KGB is still an organization of assassins. Uh, They use deception. The idea that Putin is a Christian and a conservative is completely false. Putin gave the opening address at the... uh, at the Festival of Youth and Students in Sochi in 2017 on the 100th anniversary of the Bolshevik Revolution. You can find that on YouTube with subtitles. I invite everybody to watch it. He says in that speech, and by the way, the Festival of Youth and Students, it's a communist, global communist youth organization. They're communists. You you look at the pictures of them, they're wearing Che Guevara t-shirts and, and Lenin t-shirts and they're waving little red flags or whatever. They're they're communists, and he says, "You are the future. We believe in you. We are supporting you." This is Putin's speech to this group. It's on
0: YouTube. Well, they have a movement here in America. I have seen it before.
1: Oh yeah, they're, they're everywhere. There's look, communism is a world movement, right? And there's the hardcore of communists. They're a minority, and you say, "Well, everybody reject communism." It doesn't matter. They're a disciplined, highly organized, strategically focused elite political organization that, that started... Lenin was the one who created the theory and the organization. But Lenin was the one... He, he took Karl Marx's ideas and he said, I can make this work. And people said to him, you know, Vladimir Ilyich, why are you hanging out with these criminal types? He says, I can make a revolution with them. I can't make a revolution with all you, you, you bourgeois intellectuals who think you're Marxists. You know, And so he made the organization work. And he made the Soviet Union. He was the founder of the Soviet Union. And by the way, they haven't buried him. He's in a display case. In his mausoleum in Red Square right now. And in these, by the way, you can look at this up online. In all these oblasts, when the Russians liberate an oblast, is like a province, right? When they liberate an oblast in Ukraine, the first thing they do is, at the, at the administrative building for that oblast, they put up a statue of Lenin, and they put a red flag over it. I'm kidding you not. You can go and you can look that up.
0: I, I Listen, I am not surprised, because I have been saying uh, for many years about Putin, he wants to resurrect the Soviet Union, and all that that means. And this is what you're describing, all that that means. Um, do you think that, because uh, I want to have you back on the show to talk about China, because we're not even going to get to that today, but do you think Russia and China are going to coordinate like you indicated in August? Is that is that what I heard you say?
1: Well, that's the fear. Mr. Wang of Luda Media told me, and in, uh, my interview with him is is on my site, Um He t- basically told me that the the best of the Russian military is in the Far East, waiting to pounce. And he said, if... If China does not get what it wants at the negotiating table in the Pacific, it will attack the U.S.
0: Pearl Harbor. Multiple Pearl Harbors,
1: right? Uh, Right. And it will be with nuclear weapons, because they can't, again, they can't do anything without nukes. Chinese conventional forces have the same problems, deficits, that the Russians have. So they're basically made to win with nukes. Use the DF-41 is what Mr. Wang said, and he said the Russians will invade Alaska.
0: Real, to do it real quick answer to this question cuz we're almost out of time can the space force make any difference
1: well the space force are the people that control our our missile forces mm-hmm. and um you know our satellites and stuff and you know people there's been all these rumors about us having super weapons and stuff um i i Maybe we do. I don't think so. Okay. Because the Russians and Chinese have the best intelligence in the world. If we had something that scary, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing.
0: That's, what I, yeah, that's what I I said, too. Jeff, we're just about out of time, and I, okay. wanted, I want to, I want people to be able to follow you, but I'm also going to follow up with you because we need to do a part two on this because we have a lot of open ends, and I do appreciate the great depth and detail. Tell people quickly how they can follow your good work.
1: Uh, J.R. Nyquist... J-R-N-Y-Q-U-I-S-T dot blog and there's a huge amount of resources there there's, oh, I don't know, there's a hundred articles,
0: yeah. maybe more. It's good. Uh, it's it's really. I go there often, to 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 check what you're saying versus a lot of sources I get. Jeff, just amazing detail. It's just fascinating stuff, and I feel like I'm a listener, not a facilitator here. But thank you so much for coming on. And like I said, we're going to be in touch to schedule a follow up because there's a lot left to be covered. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay. Thank you for having me.